0: If you want Colts talk all year long, you're in the right place. This is the official Colts podcast, giving you an updated look at what's new with the horseshoes. gets off the Taylor, he's in! Touchdown! I uh, N D Y Fires that way, picked off! Darius Leonard at the five-yard line. Plants in the pocket, the Colts bring it down! A sack for Indianapolis. Steps up into the end zone, he throws! Michael Pittman, touchdown! Let's get the podcast started.
1: What's up, everyone? I'm J.J. Stankovitz. Welcome into another episode of the official Colts podcast presented by WinBet. Matt Taylor's here. Lara Overton's here. The entire Colts team is here for Veteran Minicamp Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday of this week. We are recording this episode on Tuesday morning to kind of look ahead to Veteran Minicamp. Some things to, to look for, some storylines to look for over the next couple of days that you can find on colts.com, on our social media channels, on the radio with Matt Taylor hosting uh, the last word at the end of the week. But we also want to look back at OTAs from last week, our last week of OTAs uh, before veteran mini camp. A couple things stood out last week uh, just to kind of kick that off. I think Matt, Matt Ryan's arm strength really kind of popped to me in the open practice. And the accuracy of it. And the accuracy. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. there are some throws he had over the middle where he was hitting Paris Campbell in between really tight windows um, he also dropped an absolute dime to Desmond Patman over a couple of defenders down the far sideline. The, those are the plays that you look at Matt Ryan, and you're like, yeah, he's still got it mm-hmm. as, a, as a quarterback with the arm strength, the processing. Um, he can fit it into the windows that he needs to fit it into a really encouraging week for Matt Ryan. Lara, what did you notice watching that practice last week here on on 56th Street? Yeah, a
2: few things. I did did love to see Matt seemingly finding that rhythm with a number of different weapons. They did a decent amount of red zone work in one of the days, and Kylan Granson was one of those who looked really strong. You're starting to see what that union can look like between those guys. You're beginning to see um, how the vision is for some of these young tight ends that they've brought in. And I, I group Kylan into that young tight end group because just going into his second year. So along with your guys like Jelani Woods and Andrew Ogletree, in addition to, of course, Mo Ali Cox. So, yeah, you know, I think everyone saw, you know, Paris and the amount of reps that he was getting starting to see Alec Pierce work in there more and more Um defensively, really liking the emergence of Brandon Faison and what it seems like he can kind of bring into that Colts secondary. And there was an impressive interception by Sterling Weatherford. It was on the second team uh, work that they were doing. And I loved it because, I mean, he he was great instinct, snagged the ball, and then as he was returning it, I mean, it was full speed. This was not like practice. They were going almost, you know, at at game-like intensity, and Cato June takes off tearing down the field (laughs) and is, like, circling his arm, waving his arm like he's sending him home from third base. It was absolutely hilarious. You're starting to see um, a lot of the exciting aspects of that defense come together. Also, really have loved how confident how fast, how physical Isaiah Rodgers is playing yeah. right now.
1: Mayte the, the Colts last week, they had three times in helmets going full speed in seven on seven. Uh, they had some individual drills, a modified pace during 11 on 11. Anything else stand out to you in those sessions we got to watch?
0: No, I think Laird is spot on on defense. Brandon Faison continues to make a lot of plays and is starting to emerge as a guy, you know, uh, solidify why the Colts brought him in in free agency. When did that happen? Like late March, early April uh, no, in he, terms he, of that? Faison? Acquisition, yeah. No,
1: right. he, he was uh it was the Friday of the first week of free agency. Yeah, so when he That signed. that was yeah.
0: sort of my point. It yeah. happened early mm-hmm. on, so the Colts prioritized him, and you can see why. But Isaiah Rodgers, man, he is he's just shown a knack. I, I think he's really, really grown. His speed, he's a guy in coverage that doesn't panic. He doesn't get overwhelmed if he's initially beat because just that raw speed and athleticism allows him to make up and still you know, make a play on the ball. Lair is right. Paris Campbell jumped out during a red zone drill. But going back to Matt Ryan, outside of the accuracy and the precision on the throws, you can see it just from you know watching from the sidelines and taking in that command of the offense, uh, that command of the huddle. It's already there, making checks, putting guys on high alert, commanding the huddle, changing the play, uh, getting the Colts into advantage plays without complicating things. You can really see Matt Ryan. He's been here for, what, two and a half months? You can really see why he's he's accomplished what he has over 14 years um, just by being a leader and, and, and just being the guy that, Everybody turns to to galvanize things, not only within the offense, but the locker room, the team. Um, The way he carries himself to be the leader on the team, man, you can see it even in helmets and shoulder pads here in the offseason.
2: I could not agree with that more, Meite. And going back a few weeks to when we talked to Reggie Wayne, and I asked Reggie, now that you've been around Matt Ryan a little bit, what makes him the type of quarterback who you would have liked? He just seems like a guy that
0: that can strike a chord with anybody, no matter the background, where you come from, things like that.
2: And that's when Reggie said, oh, it almost makes me want to throw up. He reminds me of Peyton so much, which, Uh like, everyone took. and and ran with and it was absolutely hilarious and that's the type of candor you appreciate so much from a guy like Reggie but in now getting to see him more and more he does have a lot of that professionalism that command of a Peyton Manning that type of presence that we're used to seeing but he also has this like youthful like energy and yeah. love of football that reminds me of what we saw with Philip Rivers just a couple seasons ago, where you know everyone talked about like you walk out there with Philip and it's like, you know, he's in eighth grade and he's you know strapping on the helmet and shoulder pads for the first time. Like he, you know, bolts out onto the practice field and he's having so much fun. That's kind of what we started to see a little bit more. Matt was goofing off with guys and there is that type of it's a complementary merger of the professionalism of a Peyton and then that fiery kind of competitiveness combined with this just love of football that we got to see firsthand finally right. in that one season, that one COVID season, unfortunately, with right. Philip And
0: you know, a guy like, that can still play. Totally. Oh, yeah. I mean, a guy that, that doesn't look like he's just going to be here for one or two years.
1: Right. No, I mean, and that's what, you know, if you go back to uh, some of the comments Jim Irsay has made in the off season, it's like, yeah, you know, we we expect Matt to be here for the next two years and maybe more. I mean, that the door is open if Matt Ryan earns it and continues to play at a high level. And stays for, healthy. And stays healthy, which has been a, a strength good, yeah, a mm-hmm. strength of his in his career. I like this from Mo Alley-Cox when we heard from him last week. Mo's like, you know, M- Matt Ryan's very serious about these things to the point that, like, in the hallway, he'll pass Matt Ryan, mm-hmm. and Ryan will stop and be like, Hey, when we get this play against this coverage, what are you doing on it? And Mo's going to spit out the answer. Pop quiz, hot like, shot. Right, but it's, you know, hey. You, you're not expecting this. Where's your brain at? Mm-hmm. Just stuff like that that really permeates the building and that that energy that Matt Ryan brings is so important to what the Colts are doing right now where you know you're you're in this period of the off season where you're getting a lot of work in and you're building that base for training camp. but Matt Ryan, just take hey, those little quick right. mental tests and
0: I like that and, and I know I've said <laughs> this. I'm a broken record as far as this goes, but the Colts had none of that this time last year. None of they were done by Memorial Day. They didn't do any of this right. stuff. That's true. Well, and even yeah. when they
1: were in the building, there were a lot of restrictions, like right. passing mm-hmm. someone in the hallway. Yeah, you didn't do yeah. that. You know, you you had a mask. The locker on.
2: room was separate for right. crying out loud. You had dividers yeah. and plexiglass up in between guys. Right. You know. One thing too is, aside from just the on-field work that they've gotten and the the team meetings. Matt Ryan has been going into Frank Reich's office routinely, having one-on-one meetings with the two of them. And that is going to, I think, be something that pays dividends in not only what we see in these three days of mini camp, but especially when you get out there, Grand Park in Westfield coming up late July into early August. So that,
1: that brings me to the next thing I want to talk about here. And that's how much the offense is changing. Because obviously we know it's going to be different. Matt Ryan is a different quarterback than Carson Wentz. When we heard from Frank Reich back in April, it was on April 20th, he said about 10% of the offense had already changed at that point. That was back when you are in phase one. Matt Ryan hadn't even been here for a month, but they had already had a lot of these discussions about, hey, what do you like, what do you don't like, what are some concepts you're comfortable with, not comfortable with. And at that point, they already switched out about 10% of the playbook and just the, the menu, the volume of plays that you have to draw from. I think the offense, they're going to be staples that the Colts are always going to run. Whether it's the passing game, the run game, certain concepts, certain plays that are always going to be in Frank Reich's back pocket. But he's done such a good job over his now five years here in Indianapolis of knowing what menus to go from. You know, say Andrew Luck really liked, you know, mm-hmm. what would be a food Andrew Luck would really like? Like nice fish? A food? Yeah. Yeah. I'm just I'm I'm doing a hypothetical uh, menu here. Okay. Andrew Luck Andrew seems like a yeah. guy who might like a, you know a really nice fish. A fillet. A fillet. Maybe, yeah. You know oh, okay. you get Jacoby Brissett. Maybe he's really into steak. Philip Rivers, big chicken guy. Mm-hmm. Carson Wentz, maybe really likes you know uh, like a smoked brisket. Like mm-hmm. you're going off of different menus for each of these guys. Mm-hmm is what I'm trying to say with a terrible food analogy. I'm really sorry about that.
0: So I'm gonna give this guy did, you, did you do a
2: lot of grilling this past weekend? No, it but that's a, a question. Week it's weekend. a question okay. we got. Grilling's on my mind when we get into okay. the mailbag because okay. it's something
1: I've been thinking about. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but you, you're you're pulling from these different menus, uh-huh. different items from these different o- menus. Uber eats <laughs> but it's all the same chef. It's all Frank Reich. No I'm just I'm down sorry. a I rabbit need sorry I need to I need to pull <laughs> out of this this metaphor. <laughs> the point is Frank Reich has all these different plays that he is installed and run for these different quarterbacks with different mm-hmm. skill sets that he can draw upon. Matt Ryan has all these different plays that he's run with the 5-6 offensive coordinators he's had in Atlanta over the years. And those two things meshing lead to an offense that is going to be running some, some things that are similar to last year, mm-hmm. similar to 2020, but also might look a little bit different in how they're run.
2: Well, and you also have to incorporate the fact that you have Jonathan Taylor as well, who's going to be that, that consistent factor within your offense right. as well. So, even You're not, as you're not you, changing uh, the run you're, Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So there's still going to be a heavy emphasis on your run game with JT, rightfully so. Going to look a little bit different because you do have some changes you know, along that offensive line that are going to lend itself to some evolution of what that dynamic is like. But you do expect, again, that high level of production and a great emphasis on establishing the offense with the run game early and often. But yes, you will see differences in, of course, the passing game. And I think some of that comes from not so much the implementation, but the execution. Yeah. I think that mm-hmm. the foundation of the Frank Reich philosophy in the playbook is always there. Right, You've just seen quarterbacks have different abilities in how they're able to execute those game plans.
0: I just think the Colts are going to truly spread the ball to the open man. I think it's going to be a lot like, you know, Philip Rivers in 2020. That's what the offense was a couple of years ago, riding me at least seven guys catching at least one pass in every game. It's going to be get the ball out, find the open man. That's what, to your point, JJ uh, Moale Cox said last week. Hey, when you, when you're out there, the ball's on you, you know, you've got to anticipate because it's coming out fast Find the open man, yards after catch, stay on schedule down a distance. So I, I think if you go back to Frank Reich's you know, history as a play caller, if you will, back to those Philadelphia days, you know, if the Colts don't have two players with 900 receiving yards, I don't think that's a detriment to the offense. I think you're going to have four or five guys with like 500, 600 yards receiving. The offense is not predicated under Frank Reich to rely on one or two mm-hmm, studs. Right. It's very involved. From a skill player standpoint, I think you're going to see several players sort of blossom this year because, again, as we saw in 2020 with Phillip Rivers. Any day could be your day if you're a skill player, right? Go back to 2020, Naeem Hines in in Detroit. Mm -hmm. Uh, Michael Pittman Jr. against Tennessee. It's based on the matchups. Mo
2: Cox last year in Miami.
0: Right. Right. And and, And you go back to Mo against um, Minnesota in 2020 when he had a a 100-yard receiving day and scored a couple of touchdowns. So I think it's based on matchups and how teams play the Colts and they're able to exploit that with their offense and how they rely on seven, eight, nine skill players on a given day.
2: And I think that is a testament to Matt. Of course, we've gotten a lot of questions about, you know, what are the conversations about T.Y. Hilton? There's the Julio Jones conversation that, you know, swirled for several weeks. I think that's one of the reasons that you haven't wanted to go out and overspend on one of these veteran receivers is because you don't necessarily need that guy to be the solo guy carrying the bulk of the workload in the receiving game because you do spread it around so much and you already have Michael Pittman Jr. So you're almost doing a disservice to go heavy out of pocket to overspend for someone who needs a certain level of production for it to be worthwhile because of how you diversify this passing game.
1: Frank Reich is so good at providing answers to his quarterback on given Mm -hmm. plays where all right they're running this coverage we are going to run this play and if you read it out properly this guy's going to be open. And Matt Ryan is a guy who you trust to read it out properly and get it to the open guy because I mean we saw that it was like with Philip Rivers, like you said, there would be games where Zach Pascal would be on fire mm-hmm. and it looked like wow, like Zach Pascal, Zach Pascal was the open guy on those plays. And then there would be games where the coverage would shift and Pascal wouldn't be open, and all of a sudden mm-hmm. you're getting the ball to Ty Hilton over the top against the Raiders. The that those are just built into how Frank Reich operates his offense, how he calls his offense how he schemes things up, and having a quarterback who can read it out and get the ball to the open guy is going to be a real asset for this offense in 2022. So let's look ahead to, to veteran minicamp now. And, you know, again, the next three days, these are going to be the most intensive practices of the offseason. After it, the Colts break for— Still no pads. Still no pads. Right. Absolutely. But they're going to be a, you know, a little Some bit more. Some 11 on 11. More 11 on 11. Um, everyone's here. Everyone's accounted for. Um, you know, th- this is mandatory. This is not like the OTAs, which are voluntary participation mm-hmm. on that is voluntary. These are all mandatory. And um really th- this is the last chance for the Colts to build that foundation ahead of training camp that, you know, you get some stuff installed, you get some concepts in, you work on those, you practice those. So then when you get to grand park in late July, this all isn't, f- you know, it- it's all not new mm-hmm. and you're, it's still kind of fresh for you. So, For me, when we look at what the goals are for this week, I think for me the the biggest goal, which goes for all this, is just everyone stay healthy. Yeah. That is number one. Hey,
0: you took mine. Listen, It was a
1: pretty obvious one. I I think everyone listening to this is probably like, stay healthy. Yeah. Anything else that we're we're looking at that you want to get out of this week that you want to see out on the practice field in the next couple of days?
2: I think just having that comfort, that familiarity of having – defensively a new system a lot of new faces a lot of new people out there offensively you've got the new quarterback you have you know some guys working in to new positions along that offensive line as well so I just think that it's kind of just this overall level of comfort and how guys feel playing alongside one another how comfortable they are um, installing some of the new schemes that they're working with that that to me is just having this like okay I feel really good about the guys I'm lining up next to really good with our understanding and an understanding of the expectation too of where we need to be when we step foot at Grand Park you know late july i think that's the other thing is okay we like where we are now but where are we supposed to pick up and be where should we have a launch point for august going into that point as well so that you don't go into these next what seven weeks and get complacent
1: right exactly and and that's the thing is you don't want to get these are off weeks these are a time to recharge but it's not a time to do nothing you know, mm-hmm. so and I
2: think you will see you will see we always do each and every year position groups break off and yep. they'll all get together and they'll you know work out together and and they'll find time to do those type of things so it is by no means like a month and a half long vacation these guys will not treat it that way and that's what you get when you do put such a high priority on bringing in guys of high character you know that they are you know intrinsically motivated and they don't need you know that routine that mandatory, uh, period to right. keep improving. They're going to do that on their own. They're professionals.
1: How about a guy who's been out there, Julian Blackman? Unbelievable, this guy. He's what? Eight He's months? like
2: Wolverine with how he yeah. like heals. Right.
1: I mean, it's it's incredible. It's like eight months removed from uh, tearing his Achilles on a routine play in practice. He said he was just jumping up for an interception, came Last down, play at practice, felt like his calf slipped out. Um,
2: Kenny Moore was the first guy to get to him. Ugh.
1: I mean. But like Julian, so this this is like Julian Blackman in a nutshell. He told us last week that he he's down on the turf, he's looking up at the sky, and he's thanking God, We're like for and he's like because it could have been worse. And <laughs> Julian Julian Blackman just that, that instant
0: perspective. Yeah, mm-hmm. I
1: mean that relentless positivity he has, and he's also like, hey, you know who who better than me to come back from this? Because this is a dude who tore his ACL in the Pac-12 championship in yep. December of 2019 and then made his NFL debut like nine months later Week mm-hmm. two, really yeah. well in mm-hmm. his NFL debut so I, I have no doubt that Julian Blackman is is going to be not only ready for the season he said the goal is to be ready for training camp I'm not surprised does this surprise either of you guys
2: not really, not no, because of no. what we've seen, not because what we've seen There's from There's a track him. record for this. Yeah, there absolutely is because of that injury that you mentioned before. And I remember talking to Julian when he was drafted and I asked him about what vote of confidence it is by this front office to not be deterred by that injury, not have concern by drafting him where they did following that ACL injury. And, and he said at that point in time that that shows him that he's going to because of what they invested in him, he's going to be sure he invests everything in being available. Right. You know, he he saw that and he saw how much of an opportunity this was in being that there were a lot of other teams that did have pause because of that situation. When he is on the field, he is a straight playmaker I'm thinking back to the Baltimore game last year remember that play on Lamar Jackson mm-hmm. that he had mm-hmm. I mean he, the goal on, yeah. absolutely like he is the type of guy who can be incredibly dynamic especially in a Gus Bradley defense so yeah that not surprising at all also Julian is he's, he's a hard worker he's diligent he you know is is just a, a guy who you are always going to, to root for and he's gonna do the right things.
0: Yeah. I mean I mean the fact that he's doing anything. Yeah. The fact that he's even out there. I mean what is he, six months removed from this? I know each guy heals differently and every Achilles injury is different for for each player, but he's way ahead of Eric Fisher. He's way ahead of Dio Dangbo in terms of their timeline when they had their Achilles injuries, right? So again, he's just showing he's an incredibly fast healer and a guy that takes getting back on the field incredibly seriously. Not that those other guys didn't, but man, he's just he's just a different animal when it comes to you know being able to rehab you know major injuries, ACLs, Achilles. So I, I think the best part about Blackman and his situation is that the Colts, they're gonna be cautious with with his return and rightfully so. But they know he can probably come back for camp, but he doesn't have to. They still have three more months to get this right. Let's make sure there's no more you know, risk of re-injuring it when he gets back out there. And if he's a full go most of camp, that's a bonus. If not, we all know the type of player that he is. In fact, he's probably going to be better because he can be a little bit more instinctual. He watched a lot more film last year. He was relocated to the sideline Sort of like Darius Leonard last year, watching more film, played a little bit more with with a higher football IQ, but then coming back, even you know, in better shape and his body's even more in fine tune to be the player the Colts need him to be in the back end.
2: Mayte, do you remember last year, um, or both of you, um, during a radio broadcast? I believe it was the Tampa game. We reported that Julian tweet, tweeted it. We saw Julian on the sideline. He appeared. He like at halftime came down to the game because he was watching from his apartment, and he's like, I can't take it anymore. I have to be there. <laughs> and from that point on, he was on the sidelines of every game, even though he could not you know, participate and wasn't cleared and everything. He just missed it so much and was like, I'm, I'm done with this. I'm not watching it on TV. This is where... I belong, And I think that's such a testament to his determination mm-hmm. and how much he wanted to be a, a factor in whatever way he could, whether mm-hmm. it was just being a presence on the sideline, rallying his teammates. I'm pretty sure it was the Tampa game. They, you know, I, It's a bit of a blur now going back to it. But I do remember that we were reporting. It's like, hey, Julian Blackman just walked onto the bench at halftime of this game. And he's out here obviously in street clothes. But, and then from that point on, it was every home game he was there mm-hmm. for. So that is an indication of just his ego eagerness to return to game action and be as available as possible.
1: Quick fun fact about Julian Blackman last year. We all know what he can do as a rangy ball hawk in the back end. He was the seventh highest graded run safety or safety in defending the run by pro football focus when he got huge. hurt. I mean, it, and you think about that, that week three game against the Titans where they didn't let Derrick Henry get an inch mm-hmm. after contact mm-hmm. and Julian Blackman played yeah. a huge, huge, huge role in that game. And that was when Derrick Henry was at 100%. Mm-hmm. So that, that, that you add that to his game, that physical mentality in the back end of, you know, you're not getting by me. You love to see that. Uh, one other thing that we're going to be looking forward to, maybe not necessarily this week, but we're starting to think about training camp. Hey, we might have a kicking competition mm-hmm. again. Frank, yes. Reich, Frank Reich said there's going to be an open competition between Rodrigo Blankenship and Jake Verity. It sounds like it's hot rods to lose because Hot Rod was here last year. Um, but this is interesting. I mean, you know, the, the Colts did it last year. They brought in Eddie Pinheiro, uh, mm-hmm. who, who had a good camp, and then Rodrigo Blankenship also had a good camp. I don't think and neither not, guy missed, did they? I, no, not, not none of them missed, like, at all. So, you know, you, you like having that. You, you always want to push your kicker, um, unless you have, like, a Justin Tucker. But even then, Jake Verity spent last year on the Baltimore Ravens where they have Justin Tucker. Mm-hmm. So even if you have the best kicker in the NFL, you always want to have someone there to kind of keep pushing him. Um, how real is this competition between Hot Rod and Jake Verity?
0: I think so. I mean, Glair, I mean, you might disagree, but I, I think it's very real considering the Colts sign another kicker. That's the first one. Secondly, when, when Rod got healthy last season after week five, later on in the season, he wasn't inserted back into the lineup despite – you know, that midseason acquisition with Michael Badgley. So I think it's real because I think Verity has a lot of upside. He's got a big leg, and he spent time with the Ravens last year, as you said, J.J., and the Ravens in their understudies at kicker and camp with Justin Tucker, that's sort of the equivalent a couple of years ago to how things were here with the Colts. Cody Parkey was here. Uh, Brandon McManus. Michael Badgley. These are all – Successful kickers that have made big kicks in the NFL that spent time under Adam Vinatieri. So I think the Colts are going to see if they can get a little more juice distance wise. From their kicker while also remaining accurate, you know, under forty yards.
2: I agree with you, Maytay, and I think that this is a great opportunity for Rodrigo Blankenship to, you know, prove where, you know, his ceiling, where his potential is, if he can extend beyond that range. Uh it you know, you know exactly what's going to be expected of each of these guys. So mm-hmm. it's an opportunity for each of them to to rise to the occasion. And also, I mean, that's what training camp is all about, not just for the kicking position, but yeah. competition across the just board. Keep, keep so keep like, guys sharp. Keep guys yep. sharp. So you know, I mean, we there were kickers. Badgley was here when Venetary right. was here a few years ago. Right. So you, there is a precedent of this type of situation. Obviously, it's it's different. It was a different situation with Michael Badgley and and Adam Venetary, certainly. But you have brought kickers in just to reinforce that position and and have some competition just across all just across all all the boards, just across special teams, yep. offensively and
1: defensively. Here, here's a little fun fact uh, about. Jake Verity, so he spent last year on the Ravens practice squad. There have been some pretty good kickers who got mm-hmm. their starts on the Ravens practice right, squad. Right. You go back to Stephen Hauschka and Graham Gano in the aughts. Uh, they got their starts there. Will Lutz, the kicker of the New Orleans Saints, he was on the Ravens practice squad um, behind Justin Tucker until he wound up in New Orleans. That's been kind of a breeding ground mm-hmm. for kickers, young kickers, Uh, in the NFL. So don't count out this guy, Jake Verity, even though, you know, Rodrigo Blankenship has had a lot of success in the NFL. um, It's not going to be a guarantee that he comes out of this with his job.
2: Also, I mean, you see these guys like working together, you know, during the special teams periods or off to the side when offense, defense are on the field, that type of thing. Jake Verity is also a Georgia guy, grew up in Georgia, as did Rodrigo Blankenship. Mm-hmm. So I would imagine that there is some level of familiarity being that they sure. both had such successful high school careers. I, Georgia, massive football state. So not that they probably went head to head very often, but certainly you know one another right. when you're that close in a, Age. Especially um, in playing kicker. Playing, you're probably yes. going to the same camps and stuff right. like mm-hmm.
1: that. So uh, when you look at the Colts kicking situation, last year, you know, we all fell in love with Evan McPherson, Evan Kick-Pherson, Uh with the Cincinnati Bengals. Did, did the Bengals show that you need to have a weapon from deep and that is that something teams should prioritize? I have some thoughts on this, but I want to throw it out to you guys first.
0: Yeah. I mean, last year McPherson proved that he was you know, one of the five or six biggest weapons you for You picked him to be Cincinnati. your NFL MVP, yeah. actually, I mean, he was we one of the,
2: prognosticating. Yeah, he
0: was one of the more in, important players, uh, you know, on that team last year as they rallied towards the playoffs and went on that run to the Super Bowl. What what he has is he's got the leg plus the accuracy. He's a rookie last year, 12 of 14 over 50, 8 for 11 between 40 and 49. Um, and from week six on, he was 17 of 19 over 40. So that's consistency in... That just allows you a lot of uh, comfort and affordability from a play caller standpoint, knowing, hey, we got three points here if we get the ball around the 35-yard line. And and contrastly, the Colts have made only one kick over 50 in the last two years. And I know a lot's gone into that. You know, the, the Colts are a team that that goes for it routinely on fourth down and you know, situationally, they just haven't That's been, what I'm going to get into. You know, they just haven't been That's in a, a lot of those spots. But Rodrigo is a very solid kicker under 40 or between 40 and 49. Verdi's got that strong leg and he's got a lot of upside. He's been working on his accuracy from deep. Um, he only made 58% of his kicks over 40 in college. But if you just watch him. Um, in practice, and if you just watch his his film uh, from from last year in the preseason and going back to college, the ball just jumps off his legs. So the potential is there, the rawness, if you will, is there. That's why I think it is a, a kicking competition between these two guys, and we'll see if the Colts can get something out of that again from distance, but also staying accurate because they don't want to they don't want to forego Rodrigo's consistency on on the routine kicks but Evan McPherson last year showed that if you've got a weapon in terms of consistency and accuracy from over 50, that that's one of the more important positions on a team that has aspirations of going far in the playoffs. You
2: think either of these guys are like calling up Vinny, like, "Hey, I know you're in town. Do you have a little time to
1: to get some work in?" Well, if they wanted to, either of them could have bid uh, for the Tyler Trent Foundation's <laughs> one-on-one training session with Adam Vinatieri. That was one of the silent auction items benefiting mm-hmm. the Tyler Trent Foundation at their golf outing this week. Um, they could they could have got it for, yeah, I think it went for about six seven hundred bucks probably, for a good cause. They go. could they could have could have got that if they wanted. So here here's my thought on this. It's I think in the playoffs, you, you love to have that, that kicker who you can say, hey, you know what, if we need a 55-yard field goal, he can go get it to go win a game late. Those things are, are pretty rare mm-hmm. as it comes by, and I love that the Colts don't kick a lot of 50-yard field goals. Frank Reich last year, the, the, the Colts had 24 plays on fourth down that were between the 28- and 43-yard line, so that would be between a 45- and a 60-yard field goal. Only one of those plays was, like, obvious what to do. It was in the fourth quarter, um, you know, and it was a field goal attempt. The, the Colts only pu- had five other field goal tries on those plays. They punted six times, and they ran 12 offensive plays. So, half of those plays between what would have been a 45- and 60-yard field goal, Frank Reich said, we're going for it. Mm-hmm. Of those 12 plays, the Colts converted eight into first downs. That's two thirds. That's mm-hmm. really good. That was eighth best in the NFL among all teams, including those that ran like four, five, six plays. So and not that, that in, much. in the
0: analytics show, like what what's a better play here: running a football play or yep. kicking a fifty-five-yard exactly. field goal? So
1: because of that,
0: what's going to be more successful
1: uh, on those eight conversions? The Colts scored three touchdowns. They wound up still kicking three field goals. They didn't score two times. Those two times, one of them was when JT got stuffed at the one-yard line against the Jaguars in Week 18. Um, The other one was a missed field goal by Michael Badgley. So if you just kind of look at it, the Colts came out ahead points-wise because they were so aggressive. The Colts ran the second-most plays on fourth down between those yard markers in the NFL behind the Chargers last year, which probably doesn't surprise anyone who – watched uh, Brandon Staley go for it on like fourth and 20 a bunch uh, <laughs> from but, his own 20. Right. But you know what? Like the, the analytics that this is a great thing about analytics and football is that it is pushing more coaches to be aggressive in those situations. Because like you said, Matey, the value of running a football play is higher ultimately than attempting a long field goal of which last year there were 300 field goal attempts between 45 and 60 yards. 70% of them were good. And the Colts only made 40% of those field goals. So I think this is something I, I, I saw it a lot last year of fans saying, hey, just take the points, take the points, take the points. That's, it's, that's not how football coaches are thinking these days. It's not how they should be thinking. The, the, the forward-thinking coaches like Frank Reich in the NFL are going to be more aggressive and trust their offense when it comes to fourth down more than they're going to say, all right, let's go get three points. That's a good thing about the way the game is going, and Frank Reich is really on the cutting edge of that.
0: Without question, without question. So I, I think it, it does sort of boil down to situational uh, football. I, I think there is a balance, though. You know, If you're in a two-minute drill and you've got somebody you can rely on that can hit you a 55-yard field goal when the game is tied or when you're down one or two points, I think there's something to that, and I think that's why McPherson for the Bengals, going back to that analogy that we used earlier, became such a weapon and one of their best players, to be honest with you, during their run of the Super Bowl. So I, I think the Colts are have been a good blend of we want to be forward-thinking, we want to be aggressive, we want to play the odds but it is nice to have a guy that has a little pop in that right leg that you can trust to hit you a 50-yard field goal in the in a two-minute drill in crunch time in the fourth quarter. So we'll see how it plays out between Verity and Blankenship. I think that's going to be one of the more hotter, if you will, uh, camp battles that we see at Grand Park coming up in late July.
1: A lot, uh, lot to talk about when we get up to Grand Park, certainly. Um, we're going to have another episode of the official Colts podcast coming back. I think it's coming as back, hot in
2: this radio studio as it is at Grand in Park here. in <laughs> it's, August it's right now, by here. the way. So, uh, yeah.
1: We're going to wrap <sighs> up veteran minicamp next week, maybe in a, a more air-conditioned setting uh, yeah. here on the official Colts podcast. But we got a couple other things to get to before we wrap this podcast. up. what are
2: you doing in here? Are you like... Smoking hey, meats. Been,
1: Speaking let's, of, been like let's that, go to the
0: mailbag. been like that for 12 years. Here's the mail. It never fails. and makes me want to wag my tail. When it comes, I want to will. Yes. Whatever temperature it is outside is the temperature in here.
2: It's Plus, yeah. just all of us are blowing hot air for 45 right, minutes exactly. during this podcast. Poor Speaking Casey. of blowing
1: hot air, our Twitter mailbag question of the week comes from Weiss Soldier on Twitter is it still a barbecue if you're only gas grilling or are smoked meats required to be classified as a barbecue? This is an existential question.
0: Oh, man.
1: I don't think that's the case. I think you can barbecue and grill without, well, I guess this is just about barbecue. So does barbecue need to be smoked is the question. I've always
0: thought that, in my head, barbecue is, if if you're going to barbecue, you need to make barbecue. Like of the barbecue family. So if you say, I'm going to go barbecue something, you need to be making pork or brisket or so ribs. There's a,
1: there's a difference between barbecuing and grilling, is what you're saying.
0: I, I always if you're thought invite,
2: so. Okay, if, if someone's like, hey, come over for a barbecue and they got, like, burgers and brats and hot dogs on the grill, are you, like, tossing the challenge flag? Like, this, I I have been
0: bamboozled. If, if I if I was hosting a party and I wanted to differentiate the two, I would say, Larry, come on over for a cookout. Oh. Yeah. And then if, if I said, come over for a barbecue, I think in your head it would be reasonable to have the expectation of a barbecue platter, you know, brisket, ribs, so on and so forth.
1: Oh, I intre- like that. I like that. Come on over for a cookout yeah. could be... Whatever I mean, you throw on the I grill,
2: that's that's what I always say. I just am always yeah. really appreciative of anyone who invites me over for free food and uh, <laughs> you know fellowship. Okay, so you know, right. I'm not. But gonna you scrimmage. need to bring a what what,
1: you to me, what are you on, bringing like, to a cookout? Then what are you what's, what's whatever
2: your, you tell me to bring. See, I don't a, know. A cookout, you need like a yeah. do you need a sh- dessert? Do you need a salad? Do you need uh, some sort of a side? I don't know. I bring a little mac and cheese if you like. You have a blank.
1: You have a blank check to bring whatever you want to a cookout. What are you bringing?
2: ok, so I make this thing called so it's like an appetizer. It's called Texas caviar. Um, and w- uh, an ex-boyfriend's mom taught me how to make it. Oh, and oh, it, yes, oh. I know. And she's awesome. And it is something that I started making because I learned from her late in college, and I like my girlfriends will request it. And now they make it to take to the other things, too. So it's like a dip. So a lot of times I'll bring that because it is. Now I'm giving away secrets here. Okay, so it's uh, sweet corn, black beans... Um, Dice up a little bell pepper. Mm -hmm. I like to go red, orange, yellow. Um, (laughs) And then you do some jalapenos to give it a little kick. You can dice up the jalapenos. I also like to do a little jalapeno juice. And then you need the wishbone Italian dressing. And you let it all marinate overnight and then, like, drain some of the top off. And you serve it with, like, a scoop, like a Tostitos scoop. So that's probably my go-to signature whether it's a barbecue or a cookout, this covers all bases. I'm also going to say I would call anything a barbecue because I also call everything Coke. Like if I'm like, <laughs> like you know, like, like I'm not going to say, do you want would you like a, a soft drink? Would you like a pop? No, it's just like, do you want a Coke? Like, yeah, yeah. so I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm being too generalization. About I think this, if you but. were to
0: say to me, come over for a cookout in my head, my expectation would be burgers dogs brats speaking chicken.
2: of may you know we're into j- the first week of june and you've not invited me over for a cookout yet yeah. this summer and that's something that you know we I, we tend to do no, so sh- you know. shoot all right no. all
0: right challenge accepted mm-hmm. i'll go although meat is expensive now if we could have a chip in that would be great okay. that would well, help I, the bottom line
1: i, I go uh, every time i go to market district i go to the sale meat section Because it's, like, the stuff that they can't sell beyond the day, Uh, you know. So, like, I'll buy, like, they've they've had these great deals on steaks recently. I'll just buy them, throw them in the freezer. So I'm loaded up on meat. Maybe I should have the cookout. I will tell you, my
0: my neighbor is a very, very impressive um, smoker. I don't even know what this thing is. I don't know what brand it is, but he sets this thing out in his. Uh, sometimes it's in his driveway, sometimes it's out back on his deck. Oh, is it like
2: a Traeger? That's the big smoker brand. Yeah, no, it's it's.
0: I know it's not a Traeger. That's okay. that's a that's a good idea though. Um, I don't know what brand it is, but man, he is talented, and he watches this thing. I mean, he'll start it on Thursday night and have that thing ready to go for Saturday at lunch or for Saturday for dinner, and he's smoking he's smoking wings ribs, brisket, short ribs. I mean, he's very, very talented. And so, like, that's why I really don't have a lot of uh, incentive to go get a smoker, A, because I don't have the time nor the patience that this guy does. Mm -hmm. But he's right across the street, and he's he's very generous, and I just walk over and I eat very well, you know, between May and, and August. I'm
1: just picturing, like, you know, in the cartoons when, like, you got the window open and they have this kind of like, like that's exactly smoky what waft it is coming in. That's yeah. exactly he hits what it is. His nostrils and he goes, and then just walks right out the door. Absolutely goes across the street. Hey, what do you what are you smoking? Can I uh, have there's some? There's
0: just there's just something about that he smell. Just
1: walks over with his little platter. Yeah. <laughs> <to serve it laughs> but I there. I'm a please pro- sir may have some.
0: I'm a Blackstone propane guy, so I know I, I'm probably offending a lot of people in, in my. Um, Complacency for grilling. We do
1: the
2: green egg.
0: I just like it fast. When I'm hungry, I need to eat. I, know. I got two kids. Yep. Dinner time. It needs to be done within twenty minutes. Matt Taylor, 20, 20 Matt Taylor minutes. fast meats
2: guy.
1: <laughs> I, I Same. I'm a gas grill guy. I thought I would always be a charcoal guy because that's what my dad was. I know. I don't know how my dad ever had time to like heat up the coals and then get them the right temperature right. and then put. The, I'm just like, give me the grill where it's warm in about three four minutes. Yeah.
0: I don't have three hours for dinner.
1: No, I don't. That was good. I think we. This was a good question that made me think a lot about how I go about grilling <laughs> the meat. Semantics and the semantics of-, <laughs> of the next couple of weeks, where I'm going to be grilling a lot, yeah, but I'm not going to be having a barbecue. <laughs> Maytay, let's go to your no. let's go to your random <laughs> thought of the week. Play the jingle.
0: Mateys, Random Thought of the Week
2: And why is the carpet all wet, Todd? I don't know, Margo You guys going out of town? Do you know if it's cold there? Do these vans get good gas
0: mileage? Shut up! 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 Guys, I want to know, that summertime and concert season is here Lara, what's your favorite concert you've ever been to?
2: Uh, and actually, I went to a concert on Sunday night. I took my dad to a little show at Rock the beautiful, Ruins at Holiday beautiful. Park, which is incredible. If, if anyone who is local to Central Indiana, if you have an opportunity to go, it's it's fantastic. Um, favorite concert I've ever been to. You guys know I love the Killers, and my husband and I a few years ago got to see Brandon Flowers, the lead singer of the Killers. He was on a solo tour, played at a place in Columbus, Ohio, very similar to the um, very similar to the Vogue. If you know the Vogue Theater in Broad Ripple, mm-hmm. spot in Columbus is just like that. And then afterward, we were out back and ended up on the tour bus meeting Brandon Flowers. Just incredible experience. The concert was already phenomenal, and then we topped it off by actually getting to like meet him and talk with him and shake hands with him for a few minutes. So that is hands down best concert experience I've ever gone to. I mean, the concert was incredible, but also just the significance and the fact that we were able to do that together, for sure. Awesome.
0: JJ?
1: I I want to talk about the concert that let me down. Oh, shoot. Oh, I
2: can go there, too.
1: Because this is also... On on the rundown as part of your your random thoughts. Yeah, so yeah. A couple of years ago, um, we my my friends and I in Chicago we noticed that one of our favorite rappers from our childhood was playing a show at a bar in the suburbs. Just like some you know random bar, they got a stage. It was Ja Rule. Oh, love Ja Rule. Who doesn't? Well, several people who went to the fire fest. Not anymore uh, <laughs> Oh so yeah, I forgot about that I whole guess. thing we, we lived in the city of Chicago at the time This show was at the, I think it was called The Base Camp Bar in Lyle, Illinois Which is not close to downtown Chicago so we're like, you know what? I was going to say, I didn't see
2: Ja Rule playing like Winneka or anything no,
0: anything. no. no. <laughs> well,
1: Lyle, Lyle, Illinois, it's you know just a normal western suburb. Got okay. a lot of Fishers vibes out there. We're talking
0: like 30 minutes, 40 minutes? It's
1: probably about 35, 40 minutes to get out there. But we said, yeah, we're all going out there. It's a group of 12 of us. We're going to a Ja Rule concert. Let's rent a limo. How funny would that be to rent a limo and go to a Ja Rule concert at lo- some bar in the suburbs? I love everything so, about this. The, the show starts at 7 p.m. <laughs> We're like, all right, he's going to get on at 10. Let's get the limo from 6.30 to 12.30. So that's, a, you know, six hours are paying for it. It was honestly cheaper than taking Ubers out right. there. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, but we were yeah. like, well, it'll be, we'll be done by 12.30. And we're like, not that much fun anymore. We're not going to be out that much later than 12.30. So we get to this bar and we, you know, we, we start, you know, hanging out seven o'clock. Some uh, opening acts come on around eight. Nine o'clock, ten o'clock, eleven o'clock, still no jaw rule. Twelve o'clock, still no jaw rule. Oh, the limo no. is gonna be here in thirty minutes. Oh no. Twelve twenty-nine, limo's here. Still no jaw rule. So two of our friends stayed behind because they're like, We're here. We like <laughs> we made it. Ja I'm a- going to see rule. Ja Rule play a song.
2: They're like, I've been I've been disinvested. <laughs> we now. got we, we got
1: it. Up. We got in the limo and left without even seeing Jaw Rule at the concert that we were gonna see Ja Rule at. They said he came on stage at 1 a.m. Oh, for no. a 7 p.m. concert. They saw him play, living it up, and then they left. But so I, <laughs> And he I probably went,
0: played for like 45 minutes.
1: Probably. So I went to see oh Jaw Rule God. at a bar in the Chicago suburbs and didn't even see Jaw Rule play. <laughs> Hell ja, night, ja Rule, though. in the year 2019, or 2018, whenever it was, was doesn't matter. Ja Rule cannot hold a crowd back for six hours. What was
2: the turnout like? Was it pretty packed? Yeah, it was pretty packed. Or at least at like 10 it was. I think
1: it was packed with like some people who really wanted to be there and a lot of people who were like, yeah, it'd be kind of funny to see Ja Rule. the Firefest documentary and then didn't get to see it. Oh my
2: God. (laughs) I mean, that's on brand though, I guess, with the Firefest, It was extremely,
1: it was the Fire Festival in a microcosm. Uh, Although we weren't stranded on an island. My,
2: My worst is not anything compared to that. My worst, and I I might get a lot of hate tweets for this, but Dave Matthews always does two nights at at Ruoff, Deer Creek, Klipsch, whatever you want to call it, uh, in Noblesville, and... I picked the wrong night to go. Like, he played all the good stuff. And I'm not, like, a massive Dave Matthews fan. Like, I was kind of like, okay, like, in college it was cool. Good. So I, like, went because it was like everyone goes to Dave Matthews. Mm-hmm. Going to Dave, man. Like, Going to Dave. And I got the wrong stuff. It was like just, like, a bunch of stuff that I didn't really know. Whereas the other night had all of the things. So that it was just a disappointment. My favorite thing, Dave you
1: know? Matthews story is, um, I, I Casey need... hates
2: me by the way he is booing me D- from across That's the not room. I'm, not, I'm not a big Casey. Dave
1: Matthews fan the, the the thing that I will always think of when I hear Dave Matthews band is him uh, emptying the septic take of his tour bus onto a tour boat on the Chicago River
2: <laughs> are you serious yeah
1: look it up oh man did you witness this live no I didn't just... witness okay. it but I read the story did he, did
0: he know what he's doing
1: Oh, probably. I mean well, I don't think mean, Dave I don't think I don't Dave, think Dave, was Dave Matthews was sitting there and be like, dump all this, <laughs> this dump it stuff literally. on these people. Oh, uh, but no, yeah. That's
2: that's unfortunate.
1: Yeah. Damn. Over the Kinsey River Street Bridge in Chicago, a tour bus belonging to Dave Matthews band dumped an estimated eight hundred pounds of human human waste human stuff. from the bus's septic tank onto a passenger sightseeing boat on the Chicago River. Oh wow. The incident talk led about to more than three hundred thousand in the <laughs> <laughs> what a magical That's a, journey down the okay, chicago river t- what about you That's though? a I feel like you have
0: seen some own. good shows i've seen some really good shows my favorite concert it's gotta be tom petty if i, to, yeah, I knew it. it it was tom petty in 2013 fantastic show uh at at klipsch i think at the time concert that let me down was 2004 van halen uh eddie van halen not to get too deep but he was in a he was in a bad place then and you could tell he was not of the right mind to be on stage, and did not play well, and it sort of, sort of ruined the whole show, to be honest with you. And it was a, it was a big bummer. It was a big hype show, right? It was a reunion. Let's get Sammy Hagar back, right? And, I mean, it was a sold-out show, and it just didn't sound very good. So. Was Valerie Bertinelli there? Uh, I think they were still. <laughs> I think they were still together. I don't. You know, he was in. He was in and out of rehab for various things, so he was still going through some stuff so it sort of ruined the sound of the show but jj i think in 2014 i saw guns N' roses at banker's life field house now gamebridge field house yeah. and uh, they axel did not take the stage until 1 a.m. that nice. night um which okay, i like, i was axel, not prepared for axel, even before kids
1: he, he is the gravitas to do that i don't know if maybe not then face.
0: though maybe not then at one point absolutely yes also did you know he's from lafayette indiana yeah yeah. Was Axel right. Rose.
2: Lafayette Jeff, is that That's right. Jeff yeah. High School? Yeah. yeah.
0: By one A. M. and I stayed for the first half of the show and then I was out of there. I was in bed by the time that show ended.
1: Mm. Yeah. I I don't know. Once once I got above the age of about twenty six, staying out <laughs> past midnight just not a thing I did that much,
0: you know.
2: What one, well, I'm just going to go off, still on topic, but a little quick deviation, and then we can wrap this up. But a concert I was not expecting to enjoy that really impressed me. My mom and I, for my for my 21st birthday, went out to Las Vegas together. My parents were very nice; they took us, you know, on on these trips for our 21st to commemorate it. And she really wanted to go to Celine Dion, and this was not, of course, the coolest thing I wanted to do on my 21st birthday in Vegas with my mom. But we went, and it was incredible. Of course, like, of course. So I will yeah. say, if you you're, appreciate like, that talent. Yeah, I mean, like, even if you're not a Celine Dion, like, mm-hmm. just all of it was, was really impressive. So Respect. if you find yourself in Las Vegas.
1: Hey, go see Celine Dion before the Colts uh, play the Raiders. I know, yeah, yeah, I don't
2: know. Uh, she was great. She was really, really good. So Maybe it, we'll it go was back impressive. when we're in Las Vegas. This, oh, uh, yes, call. I'll <laughs>
1: get the tickets. We'll, dra- we'll drag Near Jeffrey Gorman along. Uh, I want to sit next to Jeffrey Gorman, Gorman during a Celine Dion show. <laughs>
0: He'll know every word. He will. Every word.
1: Wouldn't 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 doubt it. Alright, well coming up this week on the Colts Audio Network, Tuesday through Thursday, so that is today through Thursday, we're going to have one-on-one interviews with Colts players during veteran minicamp. On Friday, the last word will break down and recap Colts rookie or uh, veteran minicamp, excuse me, and the entirety of the off-season workout program. I'm going to have some recaps on Colts.com of the off-season program next week, so keep an eye out for those, and then we're all going to, we're, we're still going to be here every Tuesday, but we're all going to yeah. kind of... Pop out, take some time off here and there over the next couple of weeks uh, until we reconvene for training camp. So
2: everyone can do your respective grilling or barbecuing. I, I will be doing <laughs> whatever nothing you're but into. Grilling again, no barbecuing. <laughs> I can't smoke meat. I don't have that time.
1: Um, that's going to be it for this podcast, though. So thanks for listening to us here on the Colts Audio Network. Give us a five star review, subscribe, rate, and review to us here on the Colts Audio Network. Don't miss an episode of our interviews, the Last Word. The official podcast. Everything that we have coming out because our content will not stop even during the offseason dead period in June and July. Anyways, for Matt Taylor and Lara Overton I'm Unlike KJ's Ja Rule, we'll be here. Ja, yes, unlike Ja <laughs> Rule, we will be here. And we you can be, listen anytime. It's funny because Ja Rule has a song called Always on Time and he was just not on time <laughs> for that show. That's the last thing I'm going to say here on the Colts official podcast presented by WinBat. Thank you for listening. We will talk to you next Tuesday here on the Colts Audio Network. back.